Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Welcome to episode 9 of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast, all things magical and Disneyland Paris. I'm Andrew Williamson, and I am again joined by Simon West. Hello. Each Magical Disneyland Paris podcast will have a different focus, be it an attraction, restaurant, or special element of the Disneyland Paris world. This episode, we are focusing on Big Thunder Mountain. We will also hand over to you, the listener, and discuss your views and opinions. Hello, Simon. Hello. I'm very excited about this one. Uh, again, it's been slightly longer than we intended we won't discuss uh, to do that. another podcast. But nonetheless, I mean, this is, I think, and people, people might disagree with me, I think this is the most popular attraction at the resort. I mean, it's got a huge capacity, and yet... It's always got a massive queue. It definitely um, has. It's an iconic attraction, and I'm very happy to be talking about it. Uh, also, we, we've kind of we were we were hoping to time it so we would uh, discuss this and release this podcast just before the attraction closed. Um, whoops. La- <laughs> yep, whoopsie. Uh, in the last few days, the attraction Big Thunder Mountain has actually uh, closed. Um, I think it's scheduled to reopen in about 12 or 13 months, so it's uh, a full year out it's of action. It's a long time away. Uh, yeah. Um, so don't get excited when you're listening to this podcast and think, oh, I'm going to go and go on the attraction because it's not going to happen. It isn't, but we can also we can use it now as a look back into the past uh, and reminisce about the good times riding the big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And of course, look towards the future as well when uh, it will be upgraded. And I'm sure that's probably our biggest area of discussion as well. Indeed. So uh, moving on, we're going to look at the brief history of the attraction. We'll uh, then focus on what the attraction was like before it closed, for its refurbishment. We'll discuss what's going to be happening in the future, what we would possibly like to be added to the attraction. We'll also, as usual, like I said before in the introduction, we'll discuss your opinions. Uh, we'll read some emails and some tweets. So uh, before we start going into the detail of Big Thunder Mountain, I think we need to look at the Big Thunder Mountain that exists in the different Disney parks. The, um, the ride exists at Disneyland Park in California. It also exists in Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. In both of those parks, it's known as Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. It's also at Tokyo Disneyland and Disneyland Park, which is at Disneyland Paris, and it's known as Big Thunder Mountain. Is it not called Railroad in Paris? I don't think it is officially. Oh, interesting. Well, the, the other interesting thing uh, that I think about Big Thunder Mountain, now I'm not sure about Tokyo Disneyland, but certainly uh, the Magic Kingdom and the uh, original Disneyland Park in California, um, Big Thunder Mountain wasn't a sort of opening day attraction. I mean, it's a it's a staple of Disneyland Paris, obviously, but out in the States, it uh, it came later, which I always, I always think of as, as very strange because, see, our frontier land is entirely based around Big Thunder Mountain, and yet there, it's uh, it's it's not the centerpiece that it is in Paris. So can you tell um, in Magic Kingdom and Disneyland Park, obviously you've only been to the Magic Kingdom, but can you tell that it's kind of been added on as the park's grown, rather than, because like you say, it's not the centerpiece of, the, uh, of the, the area in the park. Can you tell that it's been added on? Well, I think so, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a different park layout, um, definitely. They make a bigger deal of, say, in the Magic Kingdom, they make a, uh, in Florida, they make a bigger deal of Liberty Square and the whole sort of American thing. But Adventureland and I, I can't. There's another thing that they call it, but I can't remember. But they make a bigger deal anyway of uh, of Haunted Mansion, and then Thunder Mountain is is sort of tucked away at the back almost, particularly in in Florida where it is tucked away 
uh, behind uh, the Tom Sawyer Island Lake uh, with Splash Mountain as well, just tucked away, um, which is obviously very, very different to Paris where you, you walk through Fort Comstock and then stretching in front of you is this huge, gorgeous Thunder Mesa. It's the focal point of Frontierland. You can't miss it. You can't. Um, listening to other podcasts out there uh, in podcast land, they're um, the American, well, the, the British fans, but the uh, the fans of the American parks, they do uh, praise the Disneyland Paris version of Big Thunder Mountain quite a lot. Uh, it's quite good to hear um, some of the opinions of uh, guests to the American parks who have never been to Disneyland Paris when they're told that um, you have to travel underneath into in a tunnel so you go onto the mountain and that's where the attraction actually takes place. They're quite amazed at that. And so it's quite a good feature and it's one that makes our park unique. Well, I think, you know, just that on the basic level is absolutely stunning anyway. I can't think of any other attraction where you go underneath a lake that's deep enough to have a paddle steamer go around it um, and then end up on a mountain when the station's on the other side. It's it's just on a scale that almost nothing else is, really. And that's, again, don't want to like link it back into Walt Disney Studios, but that's kind of where the differences, again, are so obvious. Whereas they've kind of they've put so much thought and energy and uh, money into making sure that Disneyland Park was perfect when it opened, and then obviously when money ran out and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's just that's what makes it even more obvious, doesn't it? That the details there in Disneyland Park, but then Walt Disney Studios, it's let down. Like it, just, it lacks this kind of detail, doesn't it? Well, I think so. Yeah, definitely. You've got Frontierland with the centerpiece of Big Thunder Mountain, and sort of Frontierland goes around in a bit of a sort of semicircle almost around that. You don't have anything like that in in the studios park. You've you've sort of got Tower of Terror as a focal point, but that's that's shaky if you ask me. <laughs> and you don't have to go underneath a big lake to get to it either. No, which is always a shame. Mind you, if they want to expand the park, you might need to go under a studio tram tour. And if you've been listening to, oh, if you've been taking part in our recent attraction polls, um, you'll notice that the discussions on there about the recent vote. If you haven't taken part in this poll yet, it's great fun. Um, some of the ones you look at and you think, oh yeah, I know exactly which one of those two attractions I think is better. Other ones you look at and you go, oh, um, how how do you compare those two attractions? <laughs> uh, it was Studio Tram Tour versus Discoveryland Theatre, which is okay. basically just a okay. sneak peek. Discoveryland Theatre is um, an interesting one. Is it even showing anything at the minute? Uh, I think it's back to Ant-Man trailer Isn't that again. out on DVD though? Yeah, it's back to that again, I think. Interesting. Um, yes. Some well, DLRP wonders. Nikki from DLRP wonders uh, put on Twitter for that one. I know this is about Big Fundamental, but um, where is the option for Neva? Was mm. something that was discussed. NIDLP geek. One of the few times I'll vote for Disneyland Theater. Studio Tram Two is the <laughs> worst attraction in all of DLP for me. So I think, to be honest, we won't need to uh, dig under there and theme it. We just need to flatten it. Well. Oh, we could yes. keep. We could keep. Well, we'll have, a, we'll have a discussion about this another day. Let's move on. So the opening. Sorry, go on. Go sticking on. on that subject go on, a then. minute, though, I I will be very interested because we haven't had Thunder Mountain pop up on the poll yet. I don't think. Uh, no. Um, I will be very interested to see where that ends up because I think, I mean, I think it could end up on top. I'm sure it. Well, depending on what it comes up against, because uh, it is a random draw. I I can't imagine there's much that's going to top it. I mean, it would need to come up against the really big staple attractions like Space Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean, Phantom Manor, and I, I think 
as as such a wonderful roller coaster. I think it could take them down. Right, actually, I told a lie. Big Thunder Mountain did come up in the attraction polls, probably towards the start of when I was setting this up. Uh, it was against Casey Jr. Um, so obviously, Big Thunder Mountain went through to round oh, two. Right, so we, we've had a roller coaster knocked out already then. Yeah. Oh dear. And the, the, well, I, I remember. I remember at the time now. Discussing that Big Thunder Mountain and Casey Jr. were well, obviously different completely, but like two train roller coaster type attractions. Um, so yeah, if you want a spoiler, because I haven't really released the next round, even though cause we, haven't, we haven't finished round one yet, but the next round we'll see Big Thunder Mountain go up against Peter Pan's Flight. So, oh, now that is an interesting one because Peter Pan's Flight is very popular. It is a very popular attraction, so we'll. Uh, I we'll... know where my vote is though. <laughs> No spoilers, please, Simon. So, yeah, going back to uh, the opening of Big Thunder Mountain, it, like we said at the start, it opened on April the 12th, 1992, when the uh, Disneyland parks opened, or the park opened. Um, so, as you said, it was the only one that's opened with the uh, with the park, so it's been designed around everything, and it's the main focal point. Going on to the story, we like a bit of a story. Uh, it's based on the legend of Thunder Mesa, something which Cafe Fantasia um, has emailed us in, which, a bit of a spoiler, he's, he's pointed me to the Ravenswood-Manor website, uh, which is ravenswood-manor.com, where we got so many resources from um, Phantom Manor, our Phantom Manor podcast. Um, it goes on to talk about the story of uh, Thunder Mesa, the gold rush, how... Um, Obviously, this is a mine train, which was supposed to be taking all the gold and stuff around the mines and from the mines. Um, but it also talks about uh, there was supposed to be a powerful spirit protecting the mountain. Okay, and this this uh, powerful spirit was known as the Thunderbird, and this deity would punish anyone who dared to disturb the sacred rocks of Thunder Mountain. And there's actually a really interesting picture if you visit ravenswood-manor.com forward slash legend there is a picture of this thunderbird in the caves of um, big thunder mountain and you can see it on this picture and i really hope that in the future they do something to highlight this as i've never noticed it on the attraction and it's only through this website and image that i've actually found out about this do you know anything about this story well i do indeed and i just like as a as a young trainee historian i suppose um to add in a little bit of history um the thunderbird idea comes from uh, Native American tribes that uh, did believe that there was this thunderbird. They thought that when thunder was coming over, that it was a great bird god beating its wings, and that's what was causing this huge, you know, claps of thunder. Um, so that's that's sort of the American Far West link that you've yeah. got going on there. And the other thing that uh, I think needs, of course, to be mentioned is uh, the link with uh, Phantom Manor itself. This idea that it was the owners of the house that. Uh, controlled the mine on Big Thunder Mountain uh, and arguably uh, extracted a little bit too much gold and didn't care enough for nature and caused the disaster and collapse and whatnot. Now, this is I what... think I'm not sure any of these stories are official, but I mean, there we are. <laughs> yeah, because it says, because um, well, on this website again, it says that the Thunderbird is not an invention of the Imagineers, so it talks about what you've just mentioned there about it being a North American uh, in part of the tales in the Indian culture there. Um, it's a shame that um, Disneyland Paris or Disneyland parks or the, worldwide don't release little books that explain these stories because the amount of paperwork and the amount of stuff that must be in the Disney vaults, even if they've got four or five different versions, and I think we've discussed this when we talked about Phantom Manor originally. We certainly did. We need, like, we, we kind of 
we would um, we would pay not hundreds of pounds. We would pay quite a lot of money to buy a book that had all these stories in. And you know, I think it would just add even more to uh, the parks that already exists because we like a bit of a story. And um, we, we do, we do like a bit of a story. But equally, I also like it when I watch different interviews with different Imagineers, uh, and they tell a different story. And I, I always find that quite interesting. Yeah, and I think we discussed this last time as well that a lot of the fans have different ideas and different versions and. I know I've said it as well that whenever I go onto attraction, especially if I've done some research for a podcast or even just going on it a few different times in the same trip, I kind of pick up different points from the attraction, from the theming, and it kind of changes my idea with the story um, every single time. So kind of by having nothing official from the parks and from Disneyland Paris, it kind of does keep that mystery alive and the uh, idea that everyone can have their own interpretation of the story. Exactly, and I think now that actually leads quite nicely onto our next point, uh, which is the scenes of Big Thunder Mountain. Does indeed. Again, like every attraction, uh, to help tell the story or to help set up a story that you go through on this attraction, we've got so many different kind of areas. Now, to be honest, although our notes don't start off from the queue area, I think it's important that that was probably part of the scene. It sets up quite a lot of the story of the attraction. So as you're walking through the attraction queue area, obviously it's, you've got all your mining gear, uh, it's all wooden, there's all sorts of lovely pieces of uh, theming that's been left behind. I have got to be, I think I've been quite negative about the queue area in the past. It's not like me it's, to... It's long, isn't it? It's long and wide. Yeah, and I think the, the thing that gets me, even though I know it's to help, all to do with capacity, um, it's, it's when you kind of split off into two different airlines and you've... It's very similar to um, Pirates of the Caribbean, but not so much because it's closer to the actual station. But you kind of, which way do I go, left or right? And you always regret going whichever way you've went because you kind of feel that the other, attract, the other queue line is going quick, is quicker, Yeah, faster. the other one must be faster. So then you kind of feel... Obviously, I, I have seen people who have jumped over because they feel that that queue line is going faster and then you kind of overtake them as you go around the corner or up and down some stairs. So it's... Um, <laughs> It's a bit of a game, really, but I think that's the reason. Now, it's probably probably quite a shock to you, Simon, but I haven't actually ridden Big Thunder Mountain for at least two or three um, visits now. That That is despicable. Big Thunder Mountain <laughs> is, a, as I said, it's a staple. I, it, I'll have to go on it if it's open. And it's probably because of what I was just talking about, the fact that the queue area... Now, the theme It's long. Is, actually, I'm saying that the last time I was there, fast passed it twice. Other than that, legged it to the attraction as soon as they open Frontierland in the morning. Yeah, I have, I have so, been yeah, known... yeah, I hate queuing as well. I have been known to run all the way. Uh, even though there's a few cast members trying to slow people down. It's the only time I probably will break a, a rule at Disneyland mm. Paris. It was trying to get to that uh, front of the queue, queue area. It is um, remarkable how quickly, actually, that queue fills up. And sort of <laughs> everyone swarms through Fort Comstock and just heads straight over there. No one goes to Phantom Manor or, or Indiana Jones or anything. It's just everyone goes straight, straight there. there. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, once you've got the queue area out the way, down into the station, um, again the theming just continues. Um, we've also got the spiel that will send us off on our way, um, and you've probably heard a little bit of that at the start of this podcast. What else do we? Once we start off on our journey, Simon, what's the first thing we come to? Well, I mean, it's it's a fantastic start to a roller coaster. You leave the station, you sort of wind your way into some rocks, and then suddenly you're underneath a lake in pitch blackness and it 
feels very fast, very loud. There's normally some people screaming and it's echoing all over the place. Um, I don't think there's any bats at this point, um, but I always think it's it's an interesting start to a roller coaster to just immediately go into blackness. Yeah, goes drop straight down into darkness. Um, that's when you're leaving the uh, when you're leaving the mainland and going off onto uh, Big Thunder Mountain or well the island. Yeah, the noise is something that you, even now, because I haven't done it for a couple of visits, you kind of feel the noise gets you every single time, how loud it actually is. Yeah, that first chain lift is incredibly loud. I'd love to know whether it is literally just naturally that chain lift is very, very loud and it's echoing around the room or whether they've done something to it. Um, but also the second chain lift, um, I mean, you can hear that's very loud as well. You can hear that um, almost as soon as you enter Frontierland. So I, I don't know whether they've, they've purposely played with the acoustics, but it is exceptionally loud, almost to the point of being deafening in that first chain of till. Uh, but I love it. I wouldn't change that at all. I, no, think, I you, think you hear it, you feel like it's too loud. Your ears sort of are telling you that it's too loud. But I think that's, I mean, it, it's setting the scene as something a bit dramatic. You know, if it, if it was a little bit quieter, it wouldn't have that effect. You wouldn't get a little bit annoyed with it. And then you wouldn't be feeling those same emotions. Definitely not. I, I do feel that they've added that uh, the noise and the loudness on purpose because I don't know. Maybe it's because I've ridden uh, the Big Thunder Mountain before any other attraction because I wasn't really a fan of roller coasters until I visited Disneyland Paris. But I, I kind of feel that that's how a train, a mine train, should sound. The the cranking, the clicking, the groaning. The uh, obviously it's not all wood. Well, it's not a wooden roller coaster. You get the idea. You get the feeling that it is a wooden roller coaster because of all the sound effects and stuff like that. So like I say, it's. I feel that they've added that on purpose, and it kind of makes you feel that is a mine train. The clink it like dragging. It's dragging you up this hill, uh, this lift, rather than it just being part of a normal roller coaster design. Definitely. And then of course you you make your way through this uh, cavern of stalactites stalagmites and you've got pools uh, on the right hand side that are normally very beautifully lit with different colors and as you reach the top you should be going under some sort of parting waterfall that falls either side of the track now i don't know about you andrew but i can't actually remember the last time i saw that effect working no it, it definitely hasn't probably when i first went in 2003 was the last time i can remember that actually happening um <laughs> So hopefully, who knows? That's something it, to be fixed in the refurbishment. When it reopens, if that doesn't work, then obviously it was never going to work. They ever don't again. want it. So yeah, apparently the waterfall was supposed to suggest that the, the tunnel is actually flooding. So as you're going through this, and obviously you've got this thunderbird that's trying to shake the mountain and maybe things falling over. So apparently the idea is that this is the tunnel that's flooding. And I've never got that impression myself when I've been on the ride. But once you've uh, pop out of the tunnel, you leave the lift hill and you drop and you turn the left-hand turn, pass through a small cave and you're making a swooping right turn. Uh, it says here as well in the notes that if the trains have been dispatched timely, that when the train goes through this curve, it'll appear to make a near miss with a train. So the idea is if everything's running smoothly, the idea is that they're supposed to look like there's a near miss as the trains are running on the track. Yes, I mean, I've... I've seen this uh, this timing work correctly and uh, i mean a, a near miss is probably not the way i describe it but it's always great to see you know another roller coaster train flying around that's probably why i haven't i haven't got it in my memory because i've never once thought i'm going to get hit by another train here so after this we uh, the, the trains pass under the second lift hill and they make the drop um, before turning left 
The train runs along the river, then makes a slight right-hand turn as it approaches a mining camp. Suddenly falls through a washed-out section in the trestle. The trestle drop also contains the on-ride camera, and that's the bit that is so close to the, uh, the rivers of America. It's so close that uh, you almost feel like you are splashing into the water. You've got the um, water effect as well, which spurts out um, as if the train is going actually through the water because it's so close to the river. Um, again, I've seen that work on a, a few occasions, and it's really good effect, um, but I've also seen it where it's been a little bit out of sync a couple of times as well. Oh, right. I've, I've, to be honest, I can't remember being on it when it has been working. I'm sure, I'm sure I have been, um, but it, it, I don't think it has been the last, the last couple of times I was there. But yes, no, when it does work, it's a lovely effect, uh, and I'm sure that's something that will be uh, making a, a valiant return in 12, 13 months. Yeah, hopefully it's a bit uh, sooner than that. So yeah, uh, apparently the water effect doesn't always take place, because uh, obviously in France, just like it is in uh, England and Great Britain, it's not always the warmest, uh, so apparently they don't have the splash turned on every single time uh, for every single season because obviously the water would be quite cold, um, which is, I wouldn't mind getting wet and I wouldn't mind getting cold. I, would, I think it would actually add something more to the attraction, uh, whether it's cold or warm uh, in the weather, but um, that, that could be the reason why you haven't actually uh, experienced that or can't remember experiencing it. Mm, well, that's an interesting one. I mean, I, I don't remember ever getting wet or the splash effect ever actually splashing anyone because um, I'd imagine it uses the water from uh, the rivers of, of the West. And, um, well, that's, I mean, that's manky water. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, thank, thankfully they are draining that water out of there. So uh, I don't know how, well, they must be giving it a scrub. Lick a pen. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, I believe I read in, a, in one of the official articles that they're filling it with drinking water. Ah, oh, so we can uh, all put our heads in and take a sip. Exactly. Don't pay for water. <laughs> you don't. You're not supposed to. Have, you don't have to pay for water anyway in Disneyland Paris. Apparently, you're supposed to, if you ask for it, get free bottles. I'm sure I've heard that somewhere. I think so. Yes. I've never done it though. No, I'm probably. I'd rather have Coca-Cola. I'm not going to lie. Ooh, are we sponsored by Coca-Cola this time? No. Um, we quick. We got a projection mapping reference in. Come on. <laughs> we haven't mentioned it yet. Blimey. So we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, so after splashing down in the water, the trains go around the left turn uh, on an unstable portion of trestle, uh, entering the mine camp again and begin the climb to the second lift hill. So the trains start off the lift hill. Uh, there's two donkeys down there uh, tied down, can be seen on the right hand side of the track, um, uh, with an empty watering pail in front of them. How sad is that? Animal cruelty. Hope, well, luckily they're not real. Well, hopefully. Well, yeah, we hope. Well. If they were real, I'm sure they would have been... Uh... They would have got up and probably be drinking from, from the river that's around it. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway. Uh, it says here that there's, there's the sound of screeching um, is pre-recorded, obviously, because a roller coaster shouldn't be designed to sound dangerous, naturally. <laughs> so by putting in the pre-recorded sounds in there, it adds again to the effect uh, when you're going out of the drop and around uh, the, the tight corners and stuff like that. There's also a warning sign which is uh, seen sitting by the uh, low, um, the last row of the train uh, while going up the lift hill. Um, again, the idea is that um, you spiral down through a 540 degree counterclockwise helix. Explain that. I wish I could. Actually, <laughs> in the helix, the uh, trains pass through a short cave and go uh, over a quick airtime hill. Uh, so you get the sensation that you are kind of going up, going down, getting a bit of airtime. Uh, the That's roughly where this near miss is happening. Uh, so there's another, Apparently. yeah, another near miss. 
Danger TNT sign. Um, and then we go into the third lift hill. Well, wow, we've, we've gone through a lot there. You're going so fast on this that if I was to... Uh, obviously, there are fans out there, and I'm not going to own up... Well, I am going to own up and say I am not one of these fans that will be able to rhyme off every single drop, every single corner, every single hill. Um, See, I think I am, and the, the reason why is because I have a favourite drop in this attraction, and, and we've just skimmed over it. So you, um, take us back, take us back. We'll, we'll go backwards. So we've, we've just got to the bit um, with, the, with the TNT and the third lift hill. So if we go back around the, the sort of U-bend that's on a bridge over Ribs at the far west, we go back in there, back under the small cave. There, there's a small drop just as you go into that small cave. Um, and it's just after a bit of flat track. So you're on this flat track and then suddenly you just make this small drop into the cave. And that's my favourite bit because... It's always much steeper than you're expecting, and everyone goes, whoa, as you go down this drop into the little cave and then fling round and come up into the third lift hill. That's my favourite bit in the whole attraction. I so I just wanted to talk that through. I apologise anyway, for running over back it. back to where we were in the story. <laughs> totally sorry that we skipped over that one. Well, it's okay. I've fixed it. Don't you worry, Andrew. <laughs> so, yeah, as the train starts up the hill, um, an unseen miner's voice can be heard yelling, fire in the hole! After that, it becomes evident that the miners are dynamiting the cave. Uh, the lights of blasting can be seen on both sides of the train. Uh, I do remember that, actually. Midway up the lift hill, an earthquake hits. Now, I believe this is the scene that's going to be added to. It Am is I... indeed. It is. it is indeed. The way that this is describing it, it sounds like it's already really amazing, which actually it is, But um, and we'll probably discuss this scene in a lot more detail in the next section, but you can see why this is the scene that is uh, getting some attention, can't you? Well, you certainly can. I mean, what we have at the minute is uh, the rock work above you starts to cave in. You've got the the track is um, sort of bent slightly. I mean, I'm sure there's an official term for that. So that when you go over it, you rock from side to side. And then you've got this gold vein glistening at the top. Uh, and then, of course, you head over the hill and then back out. It's definitely going to make me queue up no matter how long the queue is i want to see what they can do with this thing because it's already something that's the main attraction to me for this um for this ride seeing Definitely. and i'm i'm very excited to talk about it but we will get to it soon <laughs> um so yeah as we go up there and drop left onto the straightway uh, to the side of the water we're speeding up as we race towards the tunnel portal we pass in the tunnel with this is where we encounter a swarm of bats now i've never felt any bats touching my face we make a sharp counterclockwise turnaround um we also then accelerate through a dark until we pop out of the exit on the back on the mainland and that's when we then course past the station round the side and we can see some people walking up and down Frontierland and then we re-enter the station. Now I know we've went through this really, really quickly. It's because and I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk about it a little bit again. Go on, go on. Because you said uh, you don't think you've uh, seen any bats. Certainly, uh, I, I mean, uh, that's, that's the bit I remember as having bats. You, they're all sort of... Uh, a glow in the dark, sort of fluorescent blue, and they've got little red eyes. I've seen, uh, I, I remember eyes. I remember some eyes. Underneath. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've got any particular effects for feeling bats. I think, though, uh, sort of the wind, uh, sort of as you're, the buffets you as you're racing through, I think, might feel a little bit like bats. Um, but the other little bit is as you then exit the tunnel and you come, you come back up into Frontierland, uh, A, there's a sort of a steam train sort of whistle sounding noise um but that's also uh, a bit that i believe it was tony baxter said uh that is the best point in any uh big thunder mountain for him he said we absolutely nailed that uh 
end to the ride. And I think he's dead right. As an end to a ride, it is fantastic to suddenly emerge from the darkness and then, oh, oh, you're back in, back in Disneyland. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, could the, um, but going to a few 4D cinemas recently, could they add more air cannons possibly into that bat section to make you feel like you've been pelted in the face by a swarm of bats? Well, they could do. I mean, I'm always up for some air cannons. <laughs> air cannons, bit of black feathers, black hair flying in your face. I don't know. Maybe some, <laughs> maybe some droppings every now and then just to make you feel like you've been pooed on by a bat. Properly realistic. That's what yeah. we're after. Or just get some bats and actually let them loose in there. Yeah. <laughs> Except that bats are actually very intelligent, um, so, so they they're would... unlikely to uh, to fly into you. But nonetheless. That's true. I forgot about that because they can kind of, well... See in the dark, aren't they, with the ultrasound? Well, yeah. Uh, although so... I don't know how quick that ultrasound is for a mine train hurtling at them. <laughs> but, I mean, there's only one way to find out. Fight! <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. We're not we're not watching uh, Harry Hill's TV burp. Sorry about that. I make that mistake all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, again, it was a bit of a rush through that, but we've got so many interesting tweets and emails and our own opinions of what we're going to do in the future that we want to kind of go through that quickly. But yeah, if you um, if you can't remember, like myself, as you probably can tell from listening to my ramblings about this attraction, even though I do love it so much, uh, I feel embarrassed now of how little I kind of know about the attraction uh, turn by turn. But if you want to look at this, there's so many great uh, POV attraction videos uh, for Big Thunder Mountain on YouTube. So I definitely recommend watching that once you've listened to this bit so you actually get the real information that you were looking for. Definitely. While we're on that <laughs> subject, um, I, ca I can't remember who posted it, uh, but there is one POV that was filmed in winter in the snow and Thunder Mess is all covered in snow and it looked absolutely gorgeous. So if you can find that POV, I'd really recommend it. It looks fantastic. But anyway, we will stop digressing about these kind of things and we will finally move on to what uh, is going to happen when Big Thunder Mountain opens up again after its massive, huge, long refurbishment. It is a really, really, really huge refurbishment. It is. Um, so what we know is going to happen is that obviously um, on the sort of wider context, Rivers of the Far West is currently being drained as we speak. That's going to get a whole good clean up. Is that, 10 sorry, is that 10 centimetres of water per day is being pumped out of the uh, the river? I think so. I mean, when you when you consider, though, how big Rivers of the Far West is, actually 10, 10 centimetres is a fair amount of water. It is quite a lot. I wonder where it's going to. Well, I think they have a sort of a, a reservoir that they use to keep water. And I know they've also got a water treatment plant um, that they use to freshen up all the water. And they have to do that because otherwise uh, the whole thing would get completely clogged up with algae and it would kill any fish life and whatnot uh, that goes there. Yeah, so it's, um, well, it'll, it'll go from the nice green colour and then hopefully we'll be pumped back into It's a Small World, Pirates of the Caribbean, those kind of attractions. It'll probably yes. also be pumped back into the uh, the river as well, won't it, once it's been cleaned? Yes, Unless, uh, I well, think so. But does their, if, does their treatment plant clean it so well? I don't, I don't know why I'm asking you, Simon, because you don't work in the treatment plant. <laughs> but you were talking about being, um, being refilled with drinking water. Well, I think, I mean, it definitely said the phrase drinking water on this article that I was reading, but I don't know whether that was a poor translation from French. Yeah, maybe it's so clean you could drink it. Yes. Rather now, than... I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised because obviously they have to keep up 
um, meticulously high safety standards in these theme parks. Um, but I, I, I mean, it's, I shouldn't think anyone would actually risk it. Well, no, but obviously, if um, if something does splash onto you, uh, into your mouth, you want Being it to be toxic, probably. Yeah, you, you want it to be drinking quality water, don't you? Really, if you get splashed by the river. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's see. What, what else have we uh, have we got that we definitely know is going to happen? The geysers. Uh, so, the geysers. But, sorry. The geysers. The geysers. Geysers. Geezers, geysers, whatever you, how, how do you pronounce geezers. it? Geysers, oh, guy, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't know which one it is either. Um, yes, so the, the geyser field uh, next to Phantom Manor, that's not worked for, what, a decade? Centuries. Let's see, centuries, millennia, it's been a very long time. They're going to fix that up, those should be working again. Um, that's not been officially written down anywhere, um, but we're, we're pretty sure uh, they are doing that. Um Going to the attraction itself, though, have I missed anything else in sort of the wider Frontierland? Um, not in the wider area from the list we've got um, from MagicalDLP.co.uk. Nice grand. That's Na- fine. Then. Nicely so... written by yourself, Simon. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> no wonder I might forget something then. <laughs> um, so talking about the attraction itself, uh, what we definitely know will happen uh, is that the final lift scene, well, not the final lift scene, the third The third lift, lift scene, film, yeah will get the same effect as is currently in Disneyland Anaheim, uh, which obviously you can go on the internet and you can find out what those are uh, if you want to see a sort of a spoiler of what it's going to end up looking like. Uh, but effectively, there are sort of projection mapped flames flickering up the side of the tunnel. Um, I imagine they will keep all the sort of the earthquake stuff happening. Uh, but the piece de resistance is that all these flames sort of build up as you get to the top of the lift hill and there's TNT above your head as you go over the crest and there's a massive explosion just as you go over the crest and it's all very exciting yeah i must admit i was very 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 excited when i seen the video uh, from california it's good, isn't it? i don't normally go for these spoilers but i did watch it and i thought wow that's fantastic it's just a shame that it's such, it, it, even though they're putting in loads of effort and loads of time and loads of planning and money into this it's such a shame how quickly that scene will actually go like when you yes. go past you. Yeah. So obviously I know it's a lift hill, so you do go a little bit slower and you are slowed down because you are going up the lift hill. Pardon it's me. I suppose it's the equivalent of in Space Mountain when uh, you're in the well, that's the I think that's also technically the third lift hill in Space Mountain. You've got the big supernova yes. uh, going off. It's the equivalent of that. But you of course this just... one this one's gonna be a real explosion, damn it. Not just a projection. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of the projection mapping on the wall will also be like the gold sparkling as well. So you've got like yes. the, the TNT and spark. I think you can actually follow the like the fuse as well, so you can see the fuse going up the walls as you uh, of the mountain inside the caves as you're going up, and then it gets like you say it gets to the uh, the end of that, and the climax is the big massive explosion. That's fab, isn't it? Um, now though, onto the onto the bits and bobs that they. Well, uh, are rumoured, um, should we say. So certainly uh, when they refurbished Thunder Mountain in Anaheim, it got an interactive queue so you could uh, sort of play around with sort of steam engine things and bits of steam would come out and there were tools that you could you could pick up and play with, this kind of thing. Um, now, just to I, add... I just... wouldn't be surprised if that comes to us, just... but I'm not entirely sure it will because... Uh, I know that in Peter Pan refurbishments and other places, Peter Pan's got interactive queue elements, uh, and rumours are saying that we won't be getting those when our Peter Pan is refurbished. So I wouldn't be surprised if, again, Big Thunder Mountain doesn't get it. See, that's a shame as well for me, because that's something that 
I get it. It's a bloody boring queue, isn't it? It is a boring queue. Now, as much as it's really detailed, and uh, apart from the rubbish that people throw around, it is quite a bit of a mess as well uh, with rubbish and litter. It is, um, yeah, on the roofs. And I know they've, they've, put, and they've put nets up in the windows, which never had anything in them, and it kind of did spoil it. And you kind of got used to that now, but then you, you look down anywhere, and there's still rubbish because people have poked it through the nets. So it's kind of made it more of a target than it has deterred people from throwing stuff out of there, like little small children and whatever. Yeah. So at least you stopped the children from going out there. But there's still rubbish in there, which was the main reason why these nets were put up. Unless it was for health and safety reasons. Well, um, I suppose it could be. It, it's a real shame, though, because I think as as queuing systems go, uh, it, it might be a boring one. But actually, the the standard of the theming, I think, is is still there. You know, you really could be in, in some shack of a Western building, which definitely. I think is always very good. Whereas if you compare that to, say... Space Mountain when you're going through the horrible metal corridor, yeah. metal tunnel in the middle. Yeah, they, I mean it, the comparison doesn't even doesn't even compare. No, and you can you can still see in some points of the queue area as well. You can still see uh, on into Frontier Lands. You can see people walking around, and it is a little bit more open, even though you are kind of going around in a circle in two lines. But yeah, I would like it to be interactive. Obviously, it's probably going to be not the case. But just if I was at the like right at the beginning of the queue, or just as I went through onto the queue, if I was be able to pull a lever or do something, when if I looked into the queue a little bit further, my pulling of a lever or pressing a button or t- spinning a wheel had some kind of effect on somebody down the line. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I want. That would what, keep remove them from the queue. Well, so got that to would get be that would faster. be amazing. Yes. No, I'm thinking maybe just like. I don't know, squirt a tiny little, not, not a lot, but just squirt some water out of a pipe somewhere or just to make it more interesting. Yeah, have like a, you know, burst of steam come out of one of the pipes next to them. What, really, really hot steam? <laughs> Are you thinking of I this was, cold I was steam? just to make cold them steam. jump, but I mean, if, Bit if, of smoke. if that's what you're into, it's cool. <laughs> we can we can get that organised, I'm sure. They'll love that health and safety. Oh yeah, if there was some kind of crates that were balanced up on a box somewhere or in the rafters and... You, like you, you, as you get further along, it's there's like a thing that says "do not pull," so you pull it, and then the boxes rattle or look like they're going to fall onto somebody. Just things like that. Just every now and then, every five minutes or so, that would be something that would kind of take your mind off the queue and the fact that you've been stood there for 20 minutes, 50 minutes. And I think that's why a lot of queues in a lot of different parks around the world are now looking at um, putting in some interactive features in there, just to make the the queue area a part of the attraction. Yeah. Again, if you want to see these kind of things, then uh, just Google what's going on uh, in Disneyland Anaheim because they have put in interactive queue elements. Um, as for other rumours for what might be going on, uh, the other big one, well, actually, there's two, I suppose, but I, I'll be honest, it, I don't believe either of them, and you'll know that if you've read the rumour mill articles that I churn out every month. Um, so apparently they're going to add another train... Uh, another car, sorry, to each train, so you'd end up with, what would that be, seven cars on a train? Um, is it six, maybe? Yeah, might five or six, seven, yeah, somewhere like that. Um, anyway, that would also mean extending the station, and of course the, that would mean extending the whole station building, really. Um, I can't see them doing that. The other thing, of course, if you extend the length of a roller coaster train, 
then you change how it behaves when it's actually out on the track. Yeah, so, so if, if they were to do that, then obviously at the moment, things are interacting so well as they've got trains passing each other in close, in like near misses and stuff like that. If you do extend things, then surely that means there's either going to be, have to be brake points in, in added, so that their trains, because obviously the longer they might go faster or they need to slow down a bit more. So do you, do you feel that it might mean that there's not the fluidity of it flowing around? And you, The good thing about Disney attractions is you don't have to stop. Yeah, I think I, I can't imagine it would it would affect it that much. But certainly a longer train is heavier. It goes faster. Um, but equally, uh, a longer train takes longer, say, to get over the crest of a lift hill. Yes. So if you're at the front of the train, then you start going down the hill, but you're still being you're still waiting for the, the bulk of the train to actually go over the crest and be pulled down by gravity, which is always a strange feeling um, if you've been on an attraction which is built by the same people that did Big Thunder Mountain uh, called the Colorado Mine Train Adventure or something in Fantasialand. They have massively long trains on that attraction uh, and you get a very, very strange feeling where you could be sort of halfway down the hill (laughs) after a lift hill if you're at the front of the train before then it suddenly speeds up really quickly. Um, Very disconcerting. It's very strange Um, and... I'm not sure they'd they'd want that kind of dynamic on Big Thunder Mountain because they've got quite long trains anyway, so I'd be surprised if they did send them. Uh, the other thing that I've heard is that before the third lift hill, so before where they're going to add all the new effects, they might... That's currently on a, a, on a bit of a wooden bridge. It's a U, sort of a U-bend on a wooden bridge that they would extend that wooden bridge out so that you get a longer run into this third lift hill to make it a bit more cinematic. Okay. Um, again, I don't believe that because, oh my gosh, the price of the fact of building a new bridge there um, would be extortionate and of actually, you know, building new track, that's very, very expensive. Um, and equally, if you compare it to other Big Thunder Mountains, then we already have a longer run-up into that third lift hill. So I, I, I'm not sure it would really gain that much. Equally, though, they did change bits of tracks when they made Indiana Jones go backwards. So I've, we've seen them do weird things with expensive track replacements before. So it could happen. It could, um, it could but I don't, I don't, I'm not holding my hopes up for um, adding more capacity by adding more trains or more, more tracks um, or, or carriages to the, uh, the trains. The, if it took 12 months, I'm, I'm sure I've read somewhere that it took about 10 to 11 months to do the same thing in California. And I don't think that adding or extending the track or extending the station would only take a month or two more. So I can't. I would. I would. I would I'm just guessing here, but I would think that it would take a lot longer than the 12 or 13 months that have been noted to do all of that, as well as drain the uh, drain the river and add all the special effects as well. I just don't yeah. think there's the time to do all of that. I I think you're right. Um, it's. The other thing is, yeah, you, you've got all these other bits and bobs that need to be done that didn't need to be done when they refurbished the one in California. So you're not you're not comparing like for like. The fact that actually it might only be two or three months more, maybe actually that's very speedy workmanship rather than, oh yes, we'll, ex- we'll extend the station. Well, our next topic on the list in front of me is projection mapping. I, we haven't got notes for this section because it's all up in my lovely head. Uh, and there's so much you can think about. Now, obviously, they're going to be 
adding some projection mapping into the, the third lift scene with the explosions and the, uh, the fuse wire going up the side of the, uh, the caves. But what about on the outside of the attraction? Now, I've got some ideas and thoughts on this. Now, obviously, projection mapping works better when it's darker. Um, but obviously, there are the, 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 the technologies out there now where you can buy... Um, daytime running projections but I kind of think when the night's uh, starting to draw in um, and you've got the twilight and the sun's going down the moon's coming up that would be a perfect time especially when Big Thunder Mountain's still running to have some effects on the actual mountain itself now the only effect you really have on there uh, apart from the sound that you can hear of the screaming and the roller coaster going up and down all the different bends and the crests and stuff like that and the water splashing as it as it touches the uh, the river I think we need some kind of um, sparks on there or rock falls or maybe some kind of fire or explosion near the exit to uh, the lift hill. Um, do you think that would be something that would add to the attraction for the people think... not on the actual attraction? Maybe the people that are walking around in Frontierland or queuing for Phantom Manor, etc. Certainly if I was going to do anything, I'd, I'd, I'd want to keep it very, very simple, very subtle so that it wouldn't... You'd have to actually be stood and watching it to notice anything. But you, yeah, I mean, you certainly could do. We we talked earlier about how Thunder Mesa is a is a focal point for all of Frontierland. You can always see uh, the the taller rock pinnacles. So why not do something with it? It's there. Yeah, that's, it's a perfect canvas to uh, to project onto, isn't it? Um... Well, I think also with the with the station building i'm sure they've got some places where you could stick a projector yeah and then obviously if it's well hidden uh, i've no idea what the reach of these things are but if they're projecting from main street buildings right onto the disneyland paris castle uh Stephen beauty's castle then yeah, i'm sure good haven't they i'm sure they the reach from maybe somewhere near phantom manor on the other side of the river uh firing across onto the canvas of big thunder mountain I'm sure it's possible to do it from both sides. But even even if it was just like every now and then when we can hear an explosion on there, the, a few of the, um, the like the towers on the mountain kind of shake a little bit and you maybe see a little bit of rockfall, things like that. Uh, I don't want the whole thing to be one big explosion and all of a sudden the top of uh, Big Thunder Mountain flies off. Um, obviously, if it was pitch black, then that kind of thing could happen. What I'm really talking about, like you say, is just the simple, subtle effects of Maybe a little, uh, even even if it's some kind of bird just flying across the front, some kind of eagle or what kind of animal would have been around um, in the in the Wild West. I, I, I'm definitely with you on this. I think it's a good idea. As always, shove some projection mapping on it. It's great. <laughs> Again, we don't want to we don't want it to be tacky. So just the little subtle things that like you say you have Something to be classy. You have to be looking at it to see it actually happening, rather than it. Whoa! What was that just went past me? You need to it needs to be something that when you are gazing lovingly at the mountain that everyone loves so much that you just see there's it. just something else to love there just a little bit left. of extra detail a little added layer um i just remember a, an image that i was sent a couple of days ago now uh, when we were talking about the noise of the attraction um there's actually as they go up the lift hill uh, i'll try and find the picture to describe it to you now um, as it's going up the lift hill, you've got the track, and uh, obviously you've got the um, kind of I would call them teeth as it's getting dragged up the lift hill. You've also you've got what they're called on this the clusters anti-rollback device. So what it is is there's kind of like a metal pole on the underside of the uh, of the of the train, and as the train's going up the lift hill, 
the clickety clack, the clickety clack. What you can hear is each pole kind of like clicking into a little groove, kind of like a little triangle, like a tooth. And then if, if for example, the uh, the coaster was going to fall back or roll back, then these devices kind of lock in place and kind of stop the train rolling backwards down the hill. Obviously, yeah, it's, it's uh, exactly the same system that you have on a chain lift hill. Uh, so on, on a chain lift, the teeth click into place within the chain and then they get pulled up. Uh, it's exactly the same thing, but obviously static. Um, and you have them on every chain lift as well, just in case the chain breaks or something, you won't roll back down. So do you feel, now I'm, I'm, I'm under the impression again in my head that they've kind of thought about, well, this is going to be an amazing sound if we, I don't know, if we um, change the materials that it's made out of or kind of amplify the noise that's coming out of there. Because I can imagine some roller coasters and some theme parks around the world would try and minimise the sound that, or um, some of the sound anyway. But do you think they've kind of worked on it to make maybe amplify the sound in some way to make it more authentic? Or Well, I wouldn't be surprised because I, c- I can't think of... I mean, all roller coasters are loud when you've got a chain lift involved. Um, and when they start going fast, they start making a lot of noise. Um, but I can't think of any that are that loud. Yeah, it does stand out as the loudest that I know of. Because uh, even if you... I know the... Um, I was just going to use Space Mountain and Rock and Roller Coaster as an example, but obviously they get fired up and fired out, so it's kind of not a chain lift, is it? So it's a different effect. Um, but when you're on um, Indiana Jones... Temple of Doom, there is. I don't. I don't really remember. Maybe it's because you're totally outside, um, and there's not much kind of include like, capturing the sound. Um, but you don't. I don't. I, don't, I can't remember the the noise of that Temple of uh, Doom. Is it Temple of Peril? I can't remember which way around it is now. Temple I, of I Peril. It's Peril. It's Peril. Temple of Peril. I need to get it right. I can't remember the sound and the noise from Temple of Peril being as loud. Well, no. I mean, I, I said earlier that you can from the second lift hill and thunder mountain you can just stand the other side of the rivers of the west i mean you can barely be in Frontierland, and you can hear when trains are going up that lift hill um i mean to be honest the lift hill on indiana jones isn't really loud enough to really catch your attention when you're stood watching the damn thing next to the fire pits and everything so i don't think it's quite the same do you think the space probably isn't and the answer's already no to this one i think but <laughs> would, would single rider help with the queue times or the wait times or do people go in groups and they want to be all together in the in the ride because obviously we've got fast pass on there we've got the normal standby queue do you think I, do you think adding single rider would do anything possibly um you don't tend to see that many people on their own i don't think on it but equally i probably would have said that about like space mountain and, and whatever i, I think Yes, it probably will. They're putting in the single rider queues because they believe it does help to speed things up and to maximise capacity, and they probably will put one in uh, to Thunder Mountain with the refurbishment. I don't know whether... I'm not entirely sure where they'll put that, but equally I wasn't entirely sure where they put it uh, on Space Mountain either, and they managed to find some room uh, in a place that I didn't think you'd be able to fit a queue. So... Yes, I, I would imagine that's something that we'll see coming anyway. I've never used a single rider queue in my entire life. Really? Um, now, actually... I've, I've always, you know, if, if you're with people, I sort of think, well, I'm going to stay with you. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's different if you're in a situation with, I don't know, you've, you've got a young child or something who can't go on the roller coaster and you really want to go on it. But I don't know, I've never been in that situation. 
Now, we went, when I went to the park last time in March, um, it was the first time I've ridden uh, Ratatouille. Obviously, I'm not going to give you any spoilers because you haven't done that one yet, Simon. I still haven't been on it. <laughs> but um, that was the first time I've ever used a single rider, and it worked really well. Now, the, uh, the first time I rode Ratatouille, we waited in the standby queue, and we were there definitely more than an hour, probably even more than an hour and a half. Um, but that was obviously to, to take in all the uh, the theming in the queue area and the bit where we go past Custo. Um Obviously, I won't go into loads of detail. But yeah, the, the second time we went onto it, we said, well, I'm not going to wait in that queue. Um, and fast, uh, sorry, single rider was only about 15 minute wait compared to an hour and a half. So we uh, queued up for the single rider. Uh, there was, I think there was three of us in our group that were queuing in single rider. Now, because of the way the um, the ratmobiles are, so it's three at the front row of the rat and three at the back, um, there was a family um, of four that were getting onto the attraction. Now, this does mean that one person was left behind from our group and they were in the rat behind, but two of us were pulled out of single rider and put into the sa- into this into the same rat together. So there is, especially on the Ratatouille, I've found that, because we've done that a couple of times, and each time I definitely got onto the, a Ratmobile with at least one person from the party I was with. Well, yeah, I suppose having a, having a car um, that's six people, six is a weird number. Um, I recognise, actually, technically the cars on Big Thunder Mountain are six people, but you've got a whole train, so it's, it's not quite comparing the same. Yeah, so also a lot of people... If they were queuing up in the standby queue, a lot of people would say, well, no, I want to be with my my, my partner or my buddy or whatever, my friend, so we want to be in a two. But eventually, if you've got a group of three and you've got two and then you've got one person on their own, now I know they don't just send the car out with nobody, but would it be quicker, instead of going down the front of the queue ride or the queue line saying one person, un person, would they just be able to um, shove in somebody from a single rider speed it up i'm not sure it, like i say it does work on ratatouille and i'm sure well, I mean, it that's work. that's that's exactly why they they have the single rider though so that when they have a situation where you've got an odd number of people coming in and you've got you've got a spare seat you can go right you get there and then you've got more people enjoying the attraction for no extra cost so uh, let's hope that's part of the plans let's hope they put that in there it would be i think uh... so i believe the plan is that they want to add a single rider queue uh to an attraction every year while this uh, refurbishment plan is happening and last year it was space mountain so well i mean I, t- technically it's well this year it was space mountain i mean d- does thunder mountain open technically next year i'm not sure it does is it december or january if, if it's 12 well i think it was was it supposed to be early january i think i've heard but then i've also heard conflicting reports that say it probably will be open earlier or could be open earlier uh, but with Disneyland Paris, you never actually know. I'm surprised they've even told us that it's going to be so many months. Um, I would, I, I'm used to Disneyland Paris just saying, yep, yeah, it's going to be closed. Probably for a year. We'll let you know when we get closer to opening it. Yeah, I mean, in, in fairness to them, um, that does give them a bit of flexibility to, uh, well, have something go wrong and then not need to rush anything. Well, that's true, yeah, because if they need an extra month, then they can't say, well, we didn't say it was going to take for 12 months. We said it was going to take some time around a year so they can add extra months or take months off the schedule whenever they want. Um, sorry for the hold-up, folks. There seems to be a slow-moving train up ahead, so we got to sit here for a spell. You just remain seated, and we'll be right with you. <laughs> 